Welcome to the Social Shift Podcast. I'm Andrew and I'm your host. Today, we're talking to Josh Campbell, the CEO of Human Improvement, a company that's introduced the alternative to alternative proteins reimagined from the ground up with a new sustainable superfood. Let's get to the conversation. You know, I originally, I started off with a career in finance and that was kind of what defined myself and many of us that were in that world. And since then, I think I've, I've realized that it's really an entrepreneurial spirit that's guided me. So I've, I've done my best to try and honestly make the world a better place through power of great products and great brands. But really started off my, my kind of entrepreneurial jump was, was really after leaving the world of finance going and leading a juice and smoothie bar business. We did the second largest ones in the U.S. and scaled that business up. And the whole vision was to bring kind of healthy, accessible products to people. And that was a really interesting discovery that people really like sugar, fat, and salt. So making, you know, using the power of brand to say that, hey, you know what, apples might have higher calories in a Diet Coke, but trust me, it's healthier for you. So using that power to, to try and change some, some habits was, was a first foray into it and realizing how challenging it is. Um, and I was really lucky to do the same, you know, same thing as Essential Oils, built a wonderful brand with a great team and transformed what was really snake oil into a highly desirable product that was, was truly the catalyst for change in a lot of people's lives. So you know, not looking at the product as the end solution, but using it as a tool in the toolbox to, to greater health. And then on to hearing healthcare, the world of hearing healthcare, um, and most recently in the health and wellness sector with a brand many, many know, uh, Dosis here in Los Angeles. So taking a highly stigmatized product like cannabis and creating a beautiful brand and experience and really creating permission for people to use this, this product has been so demonized for the last hundred years. And then most recently, you know, we were looking to say, okay, what, what can I spend my resources on both time and capital to truly make a bigger dent in the universe? And, you know, the, the brands I've been involved with have been wonderful brands um, and they've definitely helped a lot of people, but they really haven't made the dent in the universe that I really wanted to create that legacy for, for my kids. And, you know, I looked at kind of where can I spend my time and energy and capital resources to do something bigger and, you know, really started becoming apparent um, the spring of last year when Impossible Foods and Beyond Meat, all these alternative protein companies were getting huge valuations. Being, you know, some of the finance background, that was obviously very interesting out of the get-go. And then diving into it and realizing that, you know, while they're great products, it was definitely lacking a lot of the nutritional content that, you know, you, you need and also highly processed. So it was kind of like buying a Tesla to save the environment. You're not wrong in the direction, but it just wasn't enough. And so I looked and said, okay, what's the most efficacious and, and nutrient-dense food? And it became really evident that it was actually insects. But again, huge <laughs> stigma around it. And then I looked at what the environmental impact is. And of course, mind blown to see that just because something's plant-based definitely doesn't mean it's good for you or sustainable. And insects are a wonderful catalyst that can actually transform plant matter and create higher bioavailability for, for humans. But again, massive, massive stigma around it. And then realizing that actually 2 billion people a year eat insects as part of their major protein source. And it's really North America and Western Europe where we don't use it in that way, where we really eat four major animals, right, on a regular basis. And, you know, seeing how could we take this wonderful idea of consuming insects and do it in a way that would be acceptable to kind of mainstream America. What's the process of 
taking some of these products you've mentioned you work with dosist and then working with crickets as a protein source what's the process of taking these products or these items or these things that have a history or a negative perception culturally how do you go about in re-educating and retraining and reframing the public perception of the the benefits and the upsides to to these things well, there's a few pieces that are in the, the kind of the magic sauce. It's, it's not, you know, if, if, if it was just a formula you could step on repeat every single time, life would be very easy, but it's not that easy. So I said the common themes are, first of all, simplicity. So taking, taking the complexity out of things. So if you look at cannabis, which, which many people are now aware of, traditionally it was flower. You'd have strain names, first of all, which is pretty intimidating for someone who's never used a product before. You've got to go buy a product illegally. You've got to understand what you know indica versus sativa is, and then you have to you know get a strain name like Kalishnikov or Luke Skywalker, <laughs> and know what that actually means, and then you've got to you know, generally roll a joint or use a bong or try an edible. Um, so it's a really uncomfortable process, and many of us discovered it early in you know high school or college days. And so for someone who's forty five years old with a couple of kids, it, it, it's not a product that really is inviting back. So creating simplicity, first of all, and then creating a, um, a stunning brand identity, right? So the visuals of it, again, tie into the notion of simplicity, but allow the consumers permission to try something. So we did the same thing in essential oils, creating a warm, inviting brand, not expensive, but typically upmarket from mid doses. Again, we're the high price point in the market on doses, very much by design. And what we're doing with human improvement, we're very much an accessible price point. So we price match the top plant-based competitors. So it's that kind of that, that trifecta of coming in with appropriate pricing, simplicity, and a stunning visual identity that captures the imagination. That's really what helps do it. And in short, it's marketing. You know, it's using the power of marketing that's been so often used for, for evil, I'll say, um, and actually using it for good. So let's talk about human improvement a little bit. You guys are fairly new on the scene, right? You launched in the middle of a global pandemic, which I'm sure was super easy and very fun and not at all challenging. What's the what's the genesis of human improvement? Yeah, so actually, so when I was looking um, out in the world, I'm a recovering accountant, I say, and <laughs> looking at the landscape, I did the classic banker thing. I looked at the entire industry. I talked to every single person in the insect industry I could talk to. And what I found really interesting was, was this. It was almost the same as cannabis. You had a bifurcation of the market between pedigreed MBAs that were coming in that knew how to do it right. And you had the old school people that were cultivating crickets, much like the cannabis cultivators were, that were a little rough around the edges and had a very much a, a, a kind of Tiger King vibe about them. And you had these two worlds colliding. And in both cases, nobody actually knew how to run a sophisticated business. So the big thing was no one knew how to market, to be very blunt about it, market a product in an aspirational way, and no one knew how to really finance a business properly. So those are the two challenges. So I ended up finding a company up in, in Canada with a guy named Alex Drysdale, who created the first cricket powder protein, and he built it for himself. And, you know, he's, he was a total hustler. Alex is a very dear friend of mine now. And what I loved about him was his gumption. He's like, hey, I've worked my butt off to build this business. I know I don't know marketing and I don't have capital. And we're like, perfect. What a great fit. So we ended up having Alex come and join us and we recapitalized the business. And I brought the team in that built the Dosist brand to come over and say, hey, here's a challenge. Let's solve global nutrition. And, you know, <laughs> We're starting with powder protein, not because I'm a big powder protein user, 
but you know, very similar to the way Amazon started with books. Jeff Bezos wasn't a big book collector, right, or a bookseller. It was a it was a vehicle to be able to change the narrative. So, you know, when you look at how do you in, how do you get consumers to try cricket? Like whole crickets is absolutely not the answer. And talking about cricket and showing visuals of crickets are, are all those are those are horrible reasons, in my opinion, to do it. It's kind of like if you were to launch Jello today and say, hey guys, we've got a, a product that's high sugar and made from ground up cow bones. Do you want some? Like, you, of course not, right? You know, most recently we saw Vital Proteins. Kurt's done an amazing job building Vital. You know, he just exited to, to Nestle. Um, you know, and, and really taking a byproduct, which is collagen, and repositioning it as a beauty product, um, ingestible beauty product. Absolutely brilliant. Um, it's created an entire category. So we said, well, hold on a second. We've got a more efficacious product that actually has a much bigger impact on human health without using any cattle products in it as, as well. And so how do we bring that to life and tell that story and, and you know, doing that through visuals? But you know, so for us, it's starting with a powder protein and then looking at other markets. So when we look forward, children's nutrition is another massive market where there really hasn't been a lot of, of great innovation there. There is some, of course, but when I pull you know, the top beverages for kids right now, they're full of sugar, they're full of gums and fillers. There's just not a clean product that's out there. And even the ones that are really clean are incredibly expensive. So parents who are already, you know, really challenged dealing with kids and now dealing with kids at home, I can't imagine, are now forced to kind of pay out the nose for what is probably the most important thing in their life, which is their, their kids' health. You kind of touched on it, but my, my next question was going to be, you know, you're using the, the powdered protein as this entryway. What are a few of the other ideas that you guys are kicking around, if you can share, uh, that you've got in the pipeline or on the whiteboard or things like that? Yeah, yeah. So we, you know, while there's some major players right now tackling like reinventing the hamburger and, you know, Nugs is just on the, the vegan nugget. Those are awesome. They're wonderful. But where we see the opportunity is actually the mortar between the bricks. So snack occasions are really interesting for us. You know, kids' beverage. Like beverage for adults is not that interesting for a whole bunch of environmental and economic reasons. But being able, excuse me, to revolutionize the chocolate milk market, that's really, that's really interesting. And be able to give like healthy lunch and things for kids. And then diving into for the infant formula. So if you take a big step back and realize, you know, we're doing this not just to make money. We're doing this because we truly believe changing habits will actually help change the world. And it actually needs to start with kids and even further infants. So if you can, you can help break the stigma early on, it sets the path for the next couple of generations to not have the same stigma we currently have around insects. You had mentioned earlier that, uh, you know, your, your time in the financial sector hadn't been leaving that kind of dent in the universe. It seems like moving kind of younger and younger and looking more globally and more holistically at things that you're kind of moving more towards actually making that dent. What are some of the challenges that you you see as you move more into that space where you're you're looking at and tackling more things for more age groups that might have a higher barrier to adoption? Yeah, I mean it, it's it does. It's, it's challenging. I think, I think there's no easy way to do it, right? And the CBG category is challenging. Like we're taking on a market that's incredibly competitive out of, the, out of the gate. But we've got the confidence to know like we've got, we know we have the best tasting product in the market. We've done over 5,000 tests. We know we have the most efficacious product and the cleanest product in the most environmentally friendly 
packaging as well as product. So it's, it's having this, the gumption to stick with it. If I look back to, to where I've been really successful in the past, typically the six months, sometimes over a year, people tell you you're crazy. And if they don't tell you that, you're typically not doing something that's interesting enough. But that's what it takes. So we've heard a lot of people tell us we're crazy, which is, which is amazing to hear, right? I will say you're familiar with Dosist. For the first seven months of Dosist, we, no one wanted to talk to us. We're way too expensive. We have no idea what we're doing. You know? And then you go from everyone honestly thinking we were not appropriate for the market. It's probably the most polite way to say it, to being in Time Magazine. Like it's that fast, that switch. And now it's arguably one of the, the top brands in the entire category and certainly looked to as a many example for many. So it does seem to happen overnight, but sometimes it takes six months, sometimes it takes 25 years, and sometimes it takes a lifetime. So let's talk about crickets. Why crickets? You touched on it a little bit. You know, a, a good majority of the world has, a, a, has insects as a part of their diet, Western culture, European culture broadly speaking, doesn't. And you had mentioned partnering with Alex Drysdale, who had done some work on this on his own, but what got, what hooked you about crickets to well, explore to, that as, as a, a protein powder? Well, to be honest, we were looking at how do we look at the whole category, right? Like where's a category that's ripe for disruption and that's really being kind of managed inefficiently. And we essentially introduced by crickets by my team. And we were looking at like what formats came in and it was really insects overall. And then you kind of distill down and say, okay, what insects would you do? Um, and of course the supply chains are not ideal yet because there's not a lot of scale. Crickets are kind of the most sophisticated supply chain from a human consumption standpoint in North America. We, we absolutely want to stick to North America for sourcing to help people get over the stigma. And we also want to be organic, a certified organic, which really limited where we could go. But when we looked at saying, well, how can we create the best product, first of all, with the least amount of ingredients, the cleanest, best product, the answer was really crickets. There weren't any other options out there. So if we looked at, you know, we're working on a pure plant-based product right now, it's really challenging. It takes a lot of work. You've got to use fermentation to break down the enzymes. Like it's a lot, it's really, really hard. Crickets naturally have everything you need without the level of processing. And that's, so that's you know, for us, that's what was was reason why to use them as ingredient. The secondary benefit is the environmental impact is so negligible compared to, to most other, and certainly every other animal-based product out there. But even when you compare it to certain plant-based, like almonds, a wonderful example, right? Everyone, you know, here in California, of course, we're, we're somewhat more aware of the challenges with, where almonds are grown, which is kind of insane to grow almonds where they grow them. Who but thought almond that an milk irrigated is, desert would be a difficult place it's, to grow. It's insane. So people people think almond milk is great and sustainable, and it's it's the farthest thing from it, actually. So so crickets are you'd seen, and in your research, you guys had found that these are the most sustainable animal product, basically of the animal products available to you currently. Unpack that a little bit. Like, what does that mean exactly when you say crickets are this sustainable thing? What does that mean? Oh, so for example, I mean, cricket, you're using a fraction of, of for example, what the, what the land would be for, for cattle. When you're looking at water consumption, I think it's one one thousandth of what the water consumption is. So the, if, you, if you back up a quick second, if you look at like, what's the input to output, just very rudimentary, cricket is almost one to one, which is insane. So for every pound of food you put into the cricket, you get almost a pound of unroasted cricket out at the end of the day. 
I mean, and, and uh, I don't want to misquote, but I, most catalysts are on 40 times that, right? Oh, wow. You also don't have the methane that comes off it. So, so green, so if you've, you know, LPS like, ah, crickets, I'm like, I would highly encourage everyone to go to a cattle facility. It is, dis- I grew up in the industry, it's disgusting. You've got dead animals constantly that are pulled out. Um, pig farming is actually worse than cattle farming. So, we, we work with a wonderful partner up in Canada that produces an organic uh, cricket flour for us. And, course before we, we moved forward i wanted to go and, and visit so i visited the facilities and they call them they're actually converted chicken coops and they call them cricket condos you go in and it feels like miami in august it's hot and humid and the crickets it's an eight week cycle the crickets go on and it's oddly quiet because the crickets actually are harvested before they grow wings but it's a very it's the most humane the cleanest facility i've ever seen it's, it's really surprising how it's done what would be the, the story that you would tell someone who's apprehensive about eating cricket product for, for whatever litany of reasons? It's not plant-based. It may not taste great. Like, I just, I don't want to eat a cricket. Like, what's, yeah. what's the sales pitch? Yeah, so it, it really depends on, on what the hesitation is to be, to be direct with you. So we've got about 90% of vegans that I self-identify as vegan, do it for health reasons, and they will absolutely try cricket, which has been really interesting to see. I mean, there's a small minority that do it for ethical reasons and, and crickets are coming up as an animal in their view and, and they're not choosing to, to, to try it, which we totally support. And of course, why we're coming up with a full plant-based line. Our, our big thing is try it, honestly. I had the same thoughts when I first had it. The idea, you know, a lot of people think, well, you know, I've, I've eaten crickets in Mexico. Completely different, completely different. So most, you know, we've done lots of taste tests, as I mentioned, about 5,000. People can't identify this cricket. There's no, the, the taste is, is not very noticeable. It's, it's almost like a nutty taste, if that's the case. And you can't see them. It's, it's, a, it's a powder. It just looks like a flower more than anything else. So our big thing is do a taste test, not only taste it, and we're very confident people love the taste of it, but then it's more about how you feel after. So because of all the natural occurring, I mean, it's a full amino panel in crickets already. You get all your BCAAs. It's super high in fiber and high in proteins. You actually feel energized without the bloating and gut issues. And that's one of the things that people are so surprised with that have gut issues that can't, um, and a lot of people can't process pea protein, for example. And about 70% of Americans have actual serious gut issues, which is a crazy number. Cricket's one of the only things that can naturally um, actually help that out with the prebiotics that occur within the, within the cricket. Fascinating. Mm-hmm. It's a whole world we've, we've uncovered here. And it's, it's, it kind of harkens back to, to, to not actually going forward, but taking a massive step back to realize that actually getting close to nature has got a lot of benefits and we don't need to overly process things. Yeah, so we connected right when you guys were kind of like beta launch and then COVID hit. So what's it been like to launch a new product during a global pandemic? We, so it's interesting, we had had specifically, I'll show the box here. um, We specifically built the product to to steal share on shelf. That's the whole, that was our whole play. It's created a disruptive form factor. Again, so we can do it though, that uh, it creates a really easy experience. So no tubs, no mess, nothing like that. And, you know, in retail, there's no extra shelf space. You need to take somebody out. So we had built an entire program very specifically to do that. And then, of course, COVID hits. And where is the buyer's attention? It's definitely not in the protein category, right? And oftentimes, the same buyer is handling immunity supplements. So you can, you can imagine where the focus goes for them. 
So for us, we had to pivot and really double down on our, our D2C as well as our Amazon business. So that's been an interesting shift. It's a muscle that most of folks on our team don't have. We're, our background is, is building brands that are sold either direct to consumer through brick and mortar or through the wholesale channel. So that's certainly been an interesting challenge and one that we, we relished and hated at all the same time. So that's has absolutely been a challenge. The other thing is we've got folks in New York, LA, Texas, and Winnipeg. And the benefit has been you know, that we actually now talk more than we did before because now there's no stigma around jumping on Zoom calls. It's actually very normal now. So that part's been wonderful for us to do. And we do call them fizzy Fridays. You know, we send some beverages to the teams and so we can get together for, for a drink here and there. And that's been a really great way for everyone to just get kind of used to the new normal. And you know, we don't see that changing anytime soon, quite, quite candidly. It's also been a great opportunity for us as people are no longer you know, not going to gyms as nearly as often. It opened up a great way for us to partner with our ambassadors and our athletes saying, okay, how can we support your business, which is also now moving to the Zoom workouts, right? And then how do we, you know, how do we support the people that are working out at home to stay healthy and avoid that COVID-15 or COVID-20 that we're seeing uh, crop up? As you look at this brand that you are on kind of the bleeding edge of building, what kind of legacy are you hopeful that it leaves? I know we talked a little bit already about that dent in the universe that you want to make, but what are you hopeful that the legacy of human improvement is is as you look a year in the future, five years, and maybe ten years down the road. Yeah, I think if we, if we go out, we really want to be known probably in the next five years as the as the as the organization that transformed the narrative, right? We've we've seen a lot of you know companies come to the fruition before with, with credit proteins and really been a novelty focus, much like Dosis. Like we truly believe we've changed the conversation for many people around cannabis. If we can do the same for a much bigger category, has a much bigger impact on the world, we'll be incredibly happy. If the financial success comes out as well, that's great. It's kind of like a scoreboard for doing the right thing. But, you know, being able to, to shift norms is pretty amazing. Broadly speaking, what do you see as some of the biggest challenges facing us as a, as a global society? And then maybe even specifically to the market that you guys are in, what are some of the biggest challenges that you guys see in the alt protein and in the CPG realm? Oh gosh, I, we, we could probably talk for, for hours upon this. There's a few things, as I mentioned kind of at the top of our chat, uh, people love sugar, fat, and salt. We, we always have, right? We're designed that way. So to, to buck against that trend is challenging, right? And you're seeing certain, certain companies do that now. So that, that's the biggest one, is, is pushing back against kind of the natural desires for people to, to ingest those things. I think the other thing is, is again, it's changing a mindset around, like, you know, being on the coasts, we often get a very skewed perspective of what um, everyday life is. And, and we've tried our best to, to you know, design products for, you know, Melissa in Minnesota that drives a minivan. Like that's actually what the most of the country is. So that's a really easy thing to forget. And we're trying to remember that the, the Air One level pricing does not really translate outside of a handful, a very, 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 very small area. That's, the, that's the, certainly the hardest thing. The other I would say is, is really not creating a niche brand, right? So many people have, I call them super cool brands that don't leave Epikini. They're great and they're stunning, but they don't actually perform that well. We keep forgetting that Bud Light is the number one beer in California, right? It's, it's you, all these really great brands and great products that are out there, but the market will tell you if you're successful or not. And that's something I think a lot of people seem to, uh, seem to forget in the category. 
with the newest, hottest thing. So it's one piece of advice that you give to friends, family, um, or anyone listening about these a small but tangible or meaningful change they could make in their life that you think would make a difference. Oh, it's so it's so interesting. We were just having this conversation yesterday on the same, the same topic, and it's not about making a to your comment like it's not, it's about one it's making one small change. Changing one habit is more powerful than trying to do anything else, right? This is why so many New Year's resolutions don't work. Right. So instead of saying, you know, for, for example, for, for many of our consumers that are a little apprehensive about, about trying the product, we'll say, just switch one week. Just try, just try it once. Just do that. Right. I think Impossible and Beyond have done a great job saying, eat meat. It's great. Have a steak. We're, we're good with it. But just switch out one burger. Just try it. And I think that if through small habit changes and small incremental changes, that's where you actually get the most meaningful global change in it. So that would be my recommendation. And then what are you hopeful about? You know, it's so funny. Uh, COVID has, has been obviously devastating for, for whether it's human health or economics. But I will say it's allowed a lot of people to really take a step back and focus on what's important. And it's not necessarily money, right? It's, it's the health. It's family. You don't need to go to the coolest place in the coolest city. You know, uh, so many friends have moved out of New York because and finding mental health being much better. So I think I'm hopeful for kind of the the global mental health world um, actually getting the attention it needs um, as well overdue. And, you know, for for more broadly, for all of us in North America, they're so focused on accumulating things and status to take a, you know, take a page from certain parts of Europe and say, hey, it's actually about enjoying life and spending time in the big things, right? That's what I'm really hopeful for. To learn more about human improvement and try it out, head on over to their website at buyhigh.co. The Social Shift Podcast is a production of Third Shift Creative. Check us out online or start a conversation by sending an email to hello at thirdshiftcreative.com. Thanks for listening to our final episode of the Social Shift Podcast for this year. We hope you're staying safe and healthy and that you have a wonderful holiday season, and we'll see you next year.